and welcome to Tex Talks Extra. I am Tex, and today I'm very excited to bring you a brand new series in partnership with Bay Electronica, with Love the Agency, and the Music in Africa Foundation, who launched an incredible program last month called Raise the Bar. Developed as part of the Music in Africa Live program, which is supported by the German Federal Foreign Office, Siemens Stiftung, and the Goethe Institute. The Raise the Bar program seeks to bolster the presence of women in other aspects of the music industry, as well as equip them with the skill set necessary for survival in an otherwise impenetrable industry. Today, I am talking to electronic artist and label owner Rose Bonica. Rose, welcome to the show for the first time. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? It's really good to be here. <laughs> I'm good. I'm much better now that you're here. You know, your industry journey has been one that's been hard earned that I've been watching flourish over the last few years. But I want to know, growing up, did little Rose ever think that she'd be so deeply entrenched in the South African music industry? To be honest, um, no. <laughs> I wasn't really that into music when I was young. I mean, I tried piano and stuff, you know, the usual recorder lessons at primary school. Um, but music was like never really on my kind of path in my mind when I was young. I actually wanted to be a dancer and an actress. Um, then life, you know, life happens. Um, and in my teens, I kind of just forgot about acting and all of that. And after dating many men in the music industry, I eventually <laughs> found myself there. Um, and... Well, I've never really looked back, to be honest. It's been great. What was it about the intricacy and creativity around creating the type of electronic music that you do that drew you to making it? Yeah, um, you know, um, music kind of became like an emotional outlet for me. And I think that's why I stuck to it. Um, it's a very individual kind of experience if you of course if you're a producer and you you're not in a group or a band um you you can it, it, it's a great outlet for your emotions and you're kind of free when you're on your own um obviously once you release the music it's a totally different thing and that's when you realize oh I'm not just making this for myself I'm making it for you know a whole bunch of people outside of me and it becomes something that you that doesn't really belong to you anymore. Um, and I think that and like having the outlet and then suddenly the feeling of my emotions being outside of me um, was really invigorating. And I think that that's what keeps me going. Um, I don't know if that really answers the question, but yeah. That 100% answers the question. And, you know, I'm sure that as you've grown and as you've experienced different things in your life, your your music has changed as well, especially if you're very, very deeply influenced by what goes on around you and, and external factors. So how would you say your music style has changed over the years? Um, it's definitely become a lot more vocal. Um, uh, learning to use my voice in my music and not just producing beats uh, has changed everything for me. Um, it's made it 
even more personal, even though I didn't think it could ever become more personal than it was when I started. Um, so I think in that sense, uh, my style has changed where uh, incorporating my voice and also not making it more palatable, but making it more uh, listenable. <laughs> um, so, and adding more structure. And I think using my voice brought that element in um, while still trying to be edgy, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> You know, we were waiting for that debut album. We've been waiting for it for a long time. And then in 2020, you finally dropped Tears for the Tea Maker. Love the title. Love, love, love the title. Um, would you say that it's still a good reflection of where you are in your career and who you've now evolved into as an artist? Um, yeah, I, I would say that, actually, because I think that Tears for the Tea Maker is where I actually did find my voice and I wasn't trying to do anything other than me. Um, I see like albums as a very different format to EPs where you can actually tell a story and you can take people on a bit of a journey. Um, you know, short form kind of releases, most of them are like club based and you just want DJs to play them out. Whereas like an album is a serious body of work and, kind of showing where you're at. Um, obviously now, because it's been uh, two years, things have um, developed, but it's definitely still uh, where I am kind of rooted from in in that sense. Like the, the music that I make, that I made in Tears for the Tea Maker is definitely still inspiring me today. So, you know, while you're so focused on your music and how it's evolving and your craft you know when you're an independent artist you've also got to think about you know booking and gigs and how to make a living and merch and all of those things and you know I know you've always had quite a rigorous touring and gigging schedule pre-covid but also now <laughs> I know you've just come off a, uh, a stint in Europe but are you booking those gigs yourself or are you working with a booker or an agency? How are you running that side of Rose Bonica? Yeah, so everything to do with Rose Bonica is pretty much independent. I've tried to get bookers, um, but at least in South Africa, it can be quite hard, especially with my sound being a bit different and not necessarily made for a South African audience. Mm -hmm. So I've pretty much always been independent. Um, it can be tough. I would love someone to help me, <laughs> especially um, after going to Europe and dealing with all the admin like visas and, you know, flights and accommodation. I think having someone would be great, but I'm also quite patient and yeah, I, I'm not in a rush for anything really. I was also super interested to learn that you put out your album under your own label, Roses Are Red. And, you know, in my mind, the admin and the intricacies involved with starting your own label can be incredibly time-consuming. How do you balance the two? <sighs> uh, <laughs> with, a big, with a big sigh. <laughs> with a very big sigh. Um, you know, I've gotten better at it. Um, I think I've found... Um, what's the word? I've, I've found a bit of um, 
well, balance, I guess, but I found a bit of the, I found a bit of a rhythm. Um, but it can be very stressful. I think um, that knowing your system and like what you're going to do is very important. And also, again, being patient and understanding how things work is very um, important and can also kind of put your mind at ease. Um, I think we all look at it as this really big thing, but there are simple ways to do it. Um, and also finding finding uh, people around you to help you, uh, which is something that I've actually had to learn. Uh, like I said, I like working on my own. So finding people to actually help me with things uh, was something that I slowly learned to do, um, and it's definitely helped me in the long run. Um, with the album, what was really cool was I had a budget that I set out for myself, and that really um, helped me with PR and all those kinds of things, which brought uh, about 50, like 50-50. It was personal connections, and then the other 50% was the PR aspect where I worked with an international PR company and they really helped me. And that also helped my label launch properly. Um, but yeah, balancing it can be difficult. And I think also learning to step back and go, okay, cool. I've released enough of my own music. Now I want to release other people's music. What can I offer them? I think that's really important. And um, that's what I'm doing at the moment. And it's, it's really gratifying, to be honest. Has it been difficult at all to wear both hats? So one is an artist and another one as a label head? Because I know from the musicians that I've worked with, they've just been purely on the creative side. They don't want anything to do with admin. And I feel like if you're running your own label, you have to have a brain for that kind of <laughs> Or not even a brain, but a but a um, uh, a want, uh, a desire mm. to to um, deal with that because it can be incredibly time consuming. You were mentioning visas and application forms and a whole bunch of things that you know you need to fill out. Registering your business, like all oh, of those I haven't kinds done that yet. Okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Oh my god. In gosh. fact, I was trying to do that. I was trying to do that this weekend and I told like my brain also like when it comes to admin and forms, my brain just shuts down. So at the moment, yes, I am trying to register roses are red. Um uh, but I'm really struggling. <laughs> um but other other than that, <laughs> um yeah, the the admin can be hectic. Um also, you know, we we in South Africa we aren't taught any of this stuff, like at all. Like yeah. we aren't taught about like royalty splits or like that when you give your music to someone, to a label, like that label will own your masters unless you, you know, you've signed contracts and stuff. Um, uh, and that's kind of what I'm making. I want Roses Are Red to be is more of a community kind of label where um, I don't mind if the artists I sign go off and start their own label. Like I want to give them those tools to do the same thing. Um, because I, I think, um, even though I hate the word industry, like I think if we want to build an industry, especially kind of a left field electronic music industry, you know, we, we need to give each other the tools and lift each other up. Otherwise, what kind of industry will we have? Um, so 
the admin and stuff, um, other than the registering your business, uh, <laughs> like <laughs> it, 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 um, I'm getting better at it um, because I'm also realizing the more I do it, the more I know, um, which is really great. I think once you have confidence that you actually know something, you can do it properly. Um, and I'm also learning that my my peers around me don't really know like the little things like sending mailing lists out, you know, of your releases and how to do it professionally or even like how to get featured on blogs, like from local to international, like they don't know necessarily how to do those things. And I'm trying to use Roses or Red and all the artists that I have on, I'm trying to use it as a way to um, grow ourselves and create a nice little circle of artists where we actually succeed. So how did you educate yourself on the specific things and the need to know? Was it just by research, by spending hours on the internet, by reaching out, asking people, surrounding yourself with good people in the industry? How was it that you educated yourself? Um, so Google <laughs> and a lot of trial Epic and tool. error, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, great, great tool. Uh, Google, go, go past the first page and you might find some useful information. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, a lot of Googling, a lot of trial and error um, and also not being afraid to talk to people. Um, I've watched some very stupid YouTube videos that tell you a lot of bullshit and then I've watched some very, very useful ones. Um, I've also worked with a label before this, um, and that taught me a lot. Um, sending out press releases and getting rejected was also very helpful. Um, but yeah, just repetition and research, I would say. I think with people like Jackie Queens publishing amazing I want to call it a manifesto but it's it's a guide you know her making music <laughs> together which was that um let's call it a manifesto to collaboration for house music vocalists and producers I thought that that was so excellent because a the guide was free and mm. b it covered everything that people who were starting out needed to know it covered all the basics splits paperwork releasing and you know we really we do lack the tools in this country we lack the educational tools and something like Jackie's manifesto really lays the foundation and 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 fills a gap and you're right google is an incredible tool but i wish that there were there was a portal or a platform mm. that was widely advertised where people didn't have to go digging <laughs> Digging into I totally the depths agree. of Google. <laughs> you know what I mean? To try and find yeah. it. I wish like, you know, there was a house music vocalist or just a vocalist who was going to feature on a track and they knew absolutely nothing about how splits and paperwork worked. And before mm -hmm. they signed their life away to some label, you know, they're like, but wait, here is this place that I know all of the musicians go, this Emerald City at the end of our yellow brick road where I can, you know, <laughs> get the answers to the questions that I have. Um, so I don't know who's listening to this podcast, but maybe somebody out there wants to fund something similar because <laughs> that would be yeah, great no, for all of us. I think it really would. So, um, I mean, you know, Ange and uh, hmm. we're part of She Said So and we're doing this like amazing grant program, but I think – uh, where we have about 10 trainees and we're, we're creating a space where 
we can share and we can uh, share each, uh, knowledge with them and uh, help teach them how to produce music and also work in this industry and kind of navigate through the South African system. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the first uh, kind of like the online meetup, the first one that we had, it was so sad because every single person's comment was exactly how Ange and I felt for so many years, you know, starting up in music. Like Ange has been in music for I think like 20 years and me for six. And every every single trainee in, our, in, at, at, in the meetup said like, I just feel isolated and lost. And Ange and I like sure. we almost burst into tears because we were like, why is this still a thing, you know? And I think that's one of the problems is no one, especially um, women and gender minorities, like n- none of us know who to ask or where to mm-hmm. go. Um, I think that, um, and I mean, maybe it's presumptuous of me, but men men do have like access to the WhatsApp groups where they, you know, they they speak to each other and stuff. And we've always kind of felt isolated from that and away from that. And well, I hope that changes. <laughs> but I think that that's where a lot of the learning does happen. So, there's, an inc- yeah. there's an incredible WhatsApp group that I'm part of now that you mention WhatsApp groups um, started by Mbali Ndlovu, who mm. I know is also part of She Said So and is just a, an incredibly fantastic person and like really knowledgeable and connected in the industry. It's called the Music Think Tank. It's one of my best WhatsApp groups um, and majority, I mean, there are men and women on there, but majority of the people who contribute to that WhatsApp group are women. And I just think yeah. that it's amazing because it's it's women in the industry all from all over Africa. And it's just so great to see the different kinds of debate that go on there. And, and also when people drop links for projects that they're working on to see how women support each other within that WhatsApp group. So, you know, baby steps, you know, hopefully it doesn't baby take steps. 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see it before I retire. I'd like to see it. So you know, would I. <laughs> I'd like to see the equal I, opportunity. Mm. I think it is happening. I think um, we've just got to be a bit patient. But I think like uh, doing the groundwork like is the hardest part, and then watching it grow. I can already see a difference to from when I started to now. You know, um, just like in the gigging kind of circle. You know, like a lot more women and gender minorities and uh, people of color, like a lot of them are getting booked now. Um, Obviously it's not perfect. It's obvious like there's still a lot wrong with how it's happening and all of that, but there is a lot, there's a few more people that are more open (laughs) to, to the change. And I think from coming from like where I, when I started to now it's, it's very different. I do think that Bay Electronica with Love, the agency, and the Music in Africa Foundation Raise the Bar program that is currently happening is incredible. I would have given my other kidney (laughs) when I was starting out to intern with a music manager or intern with a music PR strategist. And it's not just interning. It's a paid internship. It's not none of this. Which is amazing. (laughs) 
Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. It's I mean that that's absolutely incredible. I feel like the 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 opportunity that they're giving uh, a woman to work in a field that she wants to get involved in. Mm-hmm. I mean, already when I started out about 15 years ago, there was nothing like that on the scene. So there definitely has been strides in the right direction, advancements in the right direction, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, even with this grant program, I said to Andrew, I was like, oh, what I would have given to go to walk yeah. into like a, <laughs> a conference and not be the only woman there. Like, hello. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I think we've established that there are a lot of musicians who listen to this podcast, right? But I want to know what advice would you give to those musicians that are maybe poised to release music and are thinking about doing it under their own label? Or starting Um, something? Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I would say just do it. I mean, that's how I did it, you know, like I just did it. I I look back and I'm like, where did I get that confidence? Because <laughs> compared to now, it's like totally different. But like taking advantage of like um, your, like the beginning years of your career is really great. Um, there's no expectations, maybe from yourself, but that's it. No one knows who you are, what you're going to deliver, like just do it. I mean, and also try not to care about what anyone else thinks. It's near impossible, but it is one of, you know, um, like let it just kind of riding on your ego can work for you. So yeah, just do it. And what do you think the most important lesson, positive or negative, is that you have learned in your six, seven years in the industry? Sure, that's a question. <laughs> um, <clears throat> don't trust everyone. Um, sure, that's I think a I've ha- had to learn that the hard way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I love to think that everyone is, you know, well-intentioned. Um, and I've had to learn not to trust everyone. Um, usually that like initial doubt that I would feel when meeting someone or when dealing with someone or even like, you know, someone approaches me for a gig. Um, if I feel now I've learned to trust myself actually, um, when I feel that doubt, like just, and also don't like, I'm no longer afraid of changing my mind. And I think, that's something that I've had to learn um, to kind of protect myself, you know. Mm. And what advice, as a as a parting comment, what advice would you give to any woman listening this, to this podcast, listening to you talk, who want to follow in your unconventional footsteps? What piece of advice would you give them? Well, they can reach out if they want. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's so valuable, actually, yeah. because, you know, everybody says shoot your shot, but, you know, or, you know, you can hit me up, my DMs are open, and then, you know, somebody DMs you and then <laughs> you never replied. You know what I mean? So, yeah, look, if- I will reply eventually. <laughs> but, I mean, if I don't want to talk to you, I will just delete the 
a message request. Oh, you know, oh the truth. There's a button for a reason. <laughs> but yeah, no, so, no, definitely. Like I'm very, very open to any um, women who are like starting up in the industry or even already, you know, are far. Like I, I want to talk to them, you know. I don't want to isolate anyone the way I felt isolated. So, yeah. That's beautiful. There you have it, at Rose Bonica across all social media platforms. You heard it here. Slide into her DMs. Send her a message. <laughs> if you're cuck Shit. or creepy, she's going to delete it. <laughs> if not, <laughs> you'll probably hear from her in a few weeks if she's not. Exactly. Don't, don't open, though, with, hi, how are you? Like, just tell me what you want. <laughs> oh, my gosh. If I if if I could see a screenshot of your DMs after this episode comes out, oh, I would be a happy person. They all oh, oh after the end for oh yeah yeah because I was gonna say they all deleted. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh Rose, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on this episode. You're such a gem, and I really hope I really hope that you you come back and the next time you come back we can just, just speak about your music because I mean, we didn't even get there. Um, because you know, today is all about you, the businesswoman. But when you come back, mm. I'd love to talk all about your music, that would be amazing. Thank you so much. This was really great, and I hope everyone enjoyed my husky voice today. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for another episode of Text Talks. A huge shout out to Tom's, the only music store, for always having our backs technically. Remember to follow Text Talks on all socials and subscribe and rate on whatever platforms you stream your podcasts on. Head on over to texttalks.com for all our previous episodes. And remember, that's Tex with a double X. From me, your host, Tex, producers Jonathan Ings and Matthew Lewitz, and research and associate producer Al Clapper. Catch you on the flip side. <laughs>